Hello there, you lovelies. It's Chappie the British Butler game. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Episode number six, a bumper holiday weekend bonanza edition. I hope you listened to the little podcast yesterday. We talked about man's best friend, dogs. It was an ode to my lovely little doggy Lizzie, who isn't doing too well, isn't feeling very well. So tune into that. That was recorded yesterday. But you know what? I've had extra tea, a lapsang souchong, a little bit of Red Bull. And I'm raring to go for a second podcast in a day. So some of the things that we may be talking about today. Pooper snoopers. Blondes needing time to wake up. The phantom raspberry blower. Just coming from your best butler. The butler of buffoonery or the baron of buffoonery. Uh, Maybe we'll be looking at fart art with the straw up the arse. A perfect uh, addition to modern art. Or possibly Puff the Magic Dragon's little child, Little Puff. Or Puff's ugly brother, who has a tarnished bugle coming out of his arse. We'll be dipping back into avuncular tales from the French countryside from my rascalous uncle. And some of the things we may or may not be discussing today. I now see the appeal of a caravan holiday. All it took was a global crisis and zero other options. Now, a caravan in the US is actually an RV. So uh, Clarkson's talking about the... Uh, the British version of uh, the RV, which is a caravan. Going cuckoo indoors. How to feel as free as a bird. Germany's cricketers. Who knew Germans played cricket? They're back at the crease. And uh, surplus energy from wind farms is going to make hydrogen for cars and buses. And looking to ha- harness flatulent cattle to also uh, power the wind farms. And uh, distancing rules are heavens for skin flints. These are the mean people who get their food delivered and are not actually giving any tips. And uh, Kim Jong-un's fav- loves vodka, karaoke and girls playing the Dallas theme. So this was foreign policy specialists studying the character of the Northern Korean uh, leader and gleaned insights from satellite images, state ceremonies, um, and uh, from former political dissidents. Um, but recently, Dennis Rodman went out to uh, visit um, Kim Jong-un and he discovered the dictator drinks heavily, has little ability as a karaoke singer, and maintains an all-female band whose repertoire once was limited to the theme tune from Dallas. So, welcome along to uh, the podcast. It's a little bit of a warm, sultry afternoon. I'm roasting like a potato um, in my uh, in my little studio shack here, which is also uh, known as the Butler's Nook. Um, so, tea, as you know, is one of my favourite libations, um, and tea releases those opportunities that are napping deep in my soul. Said Leo Tolstoy, the author of War and Peace. Ecstasy is a glass full of tea in the hand and a piece of sugar in the mouth. So there we go. I'm actually, uh, you know, one bag of PG tips and a dash of milk sort of uh, sort of character. Um, something else that we're going to be looking at uh, today 
on our uh, wonderful podcast, Keep Calm on Cauliflower Cheese, is I came across this marvellous site in, uh, in the week, Watch Wankers of the Web. So that's going to be a new feature. We're dipping in uh, to Tales from La Campagna, as I mentioned. Um, we're going to be talking about the lockdown, lockdown the core. And um, in the week, I was reading about um, Trump, and the, and the headline is from one of the one of the wonderful uh, publications. It's certainly not a broadsheet newspaper, the Sunday Sport in the UK. Potty President Trump has a new way of keeping free of coronavirus, daily injections of peanut butter up his ass. The First Lady Melania is not too happy. The 73-year-old Commander-in-Chief read about the unconventional remedy on a conspiracy theory website last week and ordered the presidential physician, Dr. Sean Conley, to administer the quack cure. So the Navy, uh, U.S. Navy SEAL medic, citing ethical reasons, Trump ordered a female Secret Service agent to do the honors uh, instead. The first session was less than 100% success as a president clenched, clenched his rectum when the buttery spread shot up his bagpipe, spurting peanut butter all over the agent and the 18th century bread spread. Now, I'm not going to speculate whether that is uh, true or false regarding uh, Trump and peanut butter. Now, do you think he goes for the crunchy, skippy version, or do you think he prefers the more creamy? I mean, I don't think I would want anything crunchy injected up my uh, my bottom. I think that would be uh, not a particularly uh, pleasant experience, I have to say. Um, so we're going to be looking at uh, watch wankers of the web and also um, something that is rather close to my heart is the uh, picnic. So we are getting the return of social distancing picnics, or not the return, picnics are going to be social distance from now on. So young lovers reuniting in the park, if you're young, hot and been separated for the last two months, find you're allowed to meet up but you can't touch, the perfect picnic to distract you from ripping over each other's clothes. So this mentions um, getting some scotch eggs that have a center that oozes in a suggestive way. Uh, you can get this um, from Aldi's or Marks and Spencer's in the UK. So actually the scotch egg is a rather wonderful um, delectation. It's a hard boiled egg or actually prefer to soft boil the egg and then uh, put the egg, once it's been soft boiled for about six minutes, into some icy water and that cools everything down. Keep it in the icy water. And uh, when you're ready to use it, it'll be perfect in terms of um, the, the, the perfect consistency of a soft-boiled egg. And then you wrap it uh, or make a ball of it in sausage meat, wrap it in clean film, and put it in the fridge. And after that, you would add some finely ground breadcrumbs and deep fry it for about 30 minutes and it's absolutely beautiful it's a real picnic treat uh, and then all that yummy eggy yolk will go absolutely oozing everywhere um so also talking about a you know not knocking a simple cheese sandwich on the picnic but you can jazz it up with some harissa spread now i don't know about you but if i was going on a date in the park 
and having a cheese sandwich. Firstly, a cheese sandwich isn't that exciting, but you put harissa spread on there. Firstly, it's bloody hot. And secondly, when you go to kiss your your uh, date, if you get lucky enough for that, then you'll stink like harissa. And it's pretty bad. You might as well chew a gulp, bowl of garlic. So I don't know if that's actually the best uh, best advice. And also it mentions uh, bringing soup. Now, again, I don't know about soup on a picnic, but gazpacho is a very fine thing for a picnic. Um, you can actually put it in a carton or a thermos and keep it chilled. Um, so, you know, that's something else you can bring. Uh, also, um, Eaton Mess. Now, I don't know about Eaton Mess, uh, bringing that on a picnic. Now, Eaton Mess is a rather delicious uh, meringue with whipped cream and strawberries. But I imagine in, you know, in the heat of a summer's day, the meringue probably won't hold up very well at all. Um, but, you know, I think I would go for the cheese sandwich, maybe some Branderson pickle, which is some like a little bit of spicy pickle or chutney that goes in the sandwich there. Um, I think that would be rather nice uh, for a uh, for a picnic, certainly. I mean, something else to also consider is the socially distanced barbecue. Now, I mean, what's the point of having a barbecue if you're going to be six foot away from each other? Now, once again on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, we are very into patenting new ideas and inventions. Now, I want to patent the hot dog gun so I can fire wieners out of the gun to um, the people attending the barbecue. I think it'd be absolutely fantastic. Or how about a bratwurst bazooka? You fire out those cylinders of meat across to your friends so they can pop it between a bun. I don't know if you prefer the hot dog and the bun or without the bun. You know, these days, low carbs and all, maybe you prefer it without the bun. And then you could get a super soaker with a load of mustard and ketchup and everything and soak, you know, soak the soak the party, basically, with condiments. You just have to be careful that you didn't get giardinara in the eye. That would be absolutely, uh, absolutely awful. So, you know, we've broken out the picnic um social distance and picnic we have a social distance and barbecue um why not also you could uh, you could delve into the world of um you know face masks now i think during the lockdown people haven't been able to go and get their hair cut they haven't been able to get their nails trimmed and they haven't been able to go and get you know, a face mask or uh, revitalize your skin or any of that. Now, is anybody using horse manure as a face mask? I'm just wondering. But apparently there's a lot of hidden properties within horse manure that you can actually plaster all over your face. I think it would be rather fantastic. It'd draw out all those impurities. I mean, it wouldn't smell very well, admittedly. But, you know, your skin would look absolutely marvellous. So... You know, I was thinking back to uh, Macbeth in the week, as I often do during the course of a uh, course of a week here. So I was thinking about the play Macbeth, the Scottish play that nobody should mention. I'm probably going to give myself 100 years bad luck by just by mentioning it here. But I was thinking, though, you know, when you look think about the witches of Macbeth, you know, they're mixing sort of eye of newt, foot of toad mixed together. You know, you could uh, you could have a, a rat's tail in there as well. Uh, you could have uh, 
you know, the the the, the eye of an ostrich. I mean, all of these things could be mixed together. And I, I'm sure that, you know, that there's people out there at the moment putting together coronavirus um, uh, vaccines with eyes of newt, toads, ostriches, tails and eyes, all of this together. I, I mean, you just don't want to tell Trump because that could be the new White House virus cure for all. And, and you know, you can get all the ingredients at your neighborhood uh, wet market. So everybody is um, doing these Zoom calls, you know, over the course of the uh, last six to eight weeks. Everybody's Zooming. So here we go, pot pickers. We have a little countdown top 10 list here uh, about problems with uh, Zoom calls. We have number one here. Never heard of a silence quite so deafening as when you crack a joke on the video call and nobody laughs. Number two, being certain that your facial expression is somewhat giving away the fact that you're stark naked from the waist down. And we have number three, trying to decide between three backgrounds, books I've never read, headboard, and the stay out of my private life plain white wall. Coming at number four, pot pickers, nobody, hoping nobody noticed your coffee mug is full of sherry, much as you do when you're actually in the office. And then we have number five, not off, finding that nothing boosts morale quite like a daily reminder of how much nicer your boss's house is than yours. Coming at number six, pot pickers, realizing how much of your job involves simply saying, okay, sure thing, and great stuff. Coming in at number seven, enjoying your weekly group chat with your family, despite the experience of having all the warmth of a prison visit. And number eight, spending about 95% of any video call chatting about the novelty of communicating via video chat. And we're at number nine, wondering why there's always one person who feels the need to hydrate from a sports bottle quite so relentlessly through the online meeting. And then we've got the climax, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, I'll let you go. Translation, we've been chatting for nearly four whole minutes and I'm about to lose my Okada slot. So anyway, that's a little bit of uh, delving into uh, Zoom calls and the uh, problems and uh, paranoia that people actually have with uh, with the Zoom calls. And uh, let's face it, we're all doing it at the moment. It's the uh, new normal as much as I hate that uh, that expression. So something I read in the week is, you know, when crisis happens or, you know, people need extra toilet roll, um, all of a sudden the prices start going up and, um, you know, people are trading in and making money on absolutely everything that they can at the moment. Um, I guess some people would call it entrepreneurial spirit. I would just call it plain weirdness. But I was reading in the week that there's an L.A. clothing brand that's actually putting Fauci, Cuomo and Newsom's names on underwear. Now, looking at this at the moment, there's a rather skimpy um, looking thong with Fauci uh, on the uh, on the uh, uh, on the front of it here. So luckily, it's not a, uh, a longer name, which could cause a few issues and probably wouldn't look as good, but be much more material. So I'm just wondering um 
you know, a short name is fine. You know, the svelte look and the people out there are very, very skinny and small. But somebody who's a little bit more rotund, you know, somebody who's a bit more of a Moby Dick, you need a little bit more cloth. That wouldn't look quite so good, you know. So I don't know, I think Fauci stretched across, you know, rather large uh, girth would uh, would look quite so good as on a uh, more svelte-like figure. So, I mean, if you're making underwear, you have to look of thinking about making underwear figure the bigger dude out there there has to be a lot more material and maybe you need some longer names out there uh, when we're when we're thinking about putting together these undercrackers something else i saw in the week as well um, was a bar in maryland has actually found a new way of keeping customers apart from one another by using rubber rings on wheels so there was a clip here i mean this is keeping people six foot apart again but it's the same thing. What have you got a big fella? How's he going to fit in that rubber ring? You may need the fire service to remove him once he gets stuck in there, especially if he's intoxicated after a few large jars. He's never going to get out of the rubber ring. I mean, they're, 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 they're wandering around in these rubber rings. A lot of these people with a little bit of space to spare here. But I mean, what are you going to have? You're going to have some jokers who are going to get a little bit too drunk and start sitting all, sticking all sorts of appendages and body parts through this donut hole. I mean, I don't know if I if I'm really going to uh, if I'm really going to enjoy that very much. Uh, being in the donut hole, they're going to have to bleach that baby down, probably boil it in hot water again before I even uh, before I even consider um, uh, you know even consider putting any part of my body into that donut hole. So something else in the week. Um, so it's perfect, I guess, with the lockdown. There, you know, you got the ninety day fiance story. And I read in the week there was a, there's featured actually a catfishing scam that no one could see coming. So you've got David, he's 60, living in Las Vegas. And then you've got Lena, she's 27 and lives in the Ukra- Ukraine. Apparently, David talks to Lena for four hours a day. They've been actually dating for seven years. Very romantic, absolutely lovely. Good on you, David. You've got a Russian bride there. But apparently David pays to chat with Lena by the minute. He spends over $100,000 over the course of the last seven years on actually chatting to Dana. So this poor, this poor sap is, 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 is apparently in a, in a relationship with a Russian model and is being charged by the minute to talk to her and racking up the cost. This is absolutely... This is absolutely ridiculous. It is a real scam. I'm sure there's other people out there who are feeling rather lonely during the last six weeks who are paying for similar uh, pay-per-view. And, um, you know, how, how, who knows how many brides coming from Asia and coming from Russia, uh, people are signing up and paying all this money as they uh, chat away minute by minute. So I found a perfect little site um, on Twitter in the week, Very British Problems which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, we deal in whimsy. We deal in uh, sort of expat eccentricity, um, you know, tales from bygone ages and really reminiscences from times past. I was actually thinking about in the week, and I don't think you'd ever get this in America. There was actually a potato chip crisp um, called Monster Munch. And you could actually get two fabulous flavors. You get roast beef flavor, not one for the vegans, obviously, but absolutely delicious. So you have this monster-shaped potato delight flavoured in roast beef. Absolutely wonderful. 
And also my absolute favorite, an absolute delicious delectation is the pickled onion flavor. Unbelievable. I mean, it's tangy. It makes your breast stink. I mean, you can have mints and probably have to scrub your tongue with an elephant brush afterwards to get the taste off. But absolutely beautiful here. So, but I was reading on the Very British Problems site um, and they do two word love stories. And the uh, two word love stories uh, this week was quite interesting. You had hot chocolate, cooked breakfast, fresh pajamas, birthday cake, meeting cancelled, custard creams, favorite book, bacon sarni, happy dog, sleepy cat, roast potatoes, dressing gown, salty chips, best mate, drama free, naan bread, which is absolutely amazing. Um, try the paraffa bread as well, but the naan bread, especially from Trader Joe's in the United States, there's a frozen Trader Joe's naan bread. You put a little bit of butter or ghee on that, and I tell you, you you're going to heaven straight away after that. Good health, much love, and take care. So roast potatoes were mentioned on that little list just now, and they're one of the absolute staples of the British diet, the crispy roast potato. I mean, there's many ways of doing it, um, I mean, I parboil my potatoes for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then I uh, heat up some goose fat, duck fat, uh, and then uh, bash up the potatoes before I put them into the fat, and then you just roast them. Absolutely fantastic. They even have them in some pubs in the UK. You can get roast potatoes, like a little, a little basket of roast potatoes, which is, uh, which is, absolutely, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, and so... Emily Blunt was talking in the week about her own roast potatoes. Everybody has a, I guess, a, a, a method, a recipe for roast potatoes. But she was saying she's actually married to an American chap that um, for Americans, it's harder, probably because the ovens have weird settings such as broil, which makes it confusing to roast anything. Well, I think you just bake it. You don't broil it, Emily. And she says that... Um, her secret ingredient for the perfect roast potato is wild parsley. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. So she says it's parsley, salt, potatoes, and vegetable oil, and then you uh, and then you just put it into the hot oil and roast it that way. See, I think I think the goose fat or the duck fat is absolutely phenomenal. Now the wonders of you know, we're talking about turmeric, we're talking about uh, the wonders of Indian spices. But ladies and gentlemen, goose fat is fantastic. You have your Vicks Vapor Rub out there, but the goose fat, you can actually rub that, smother yourself in goose fat in the winter's day, put your pajamas on, and that will steer away any cold or actually make any cold better. My grandfather used to give me a couple of spoonfuls of the stuff as well. And I mean, to be honest, it's like, it's like sucking on a bad rugby sock. I mean, it doesn't taste very good, but um, it is an amazing elixir of human condition. I, I do think that it could offer a another vaccine for the uh, coronavirus. I think we should get on to the Trump White House right now and tell him, Donald, take a couple of spoonfuls of goose grease, goose fat, and you'll be you'll, you'll be you'll be fine. I mean, he has enough fat anyway around him, so you don't want to smother too much, uh, uh, you know, all over his torso. But I think a couple of spoonfuls of that will have him right as rain uh, for the next day.
So we have more tales from La Campagna, the French countryside. Um, so again, love talking to my rather mischievous uncle, um, who's now resides in the south of Provence, south of France, south of Provence, um, and he's living the life of um, Peter Mayle here in Provence. I mean, he's getting wine delivered uh, as he would do milk. He's teaching the French about gin and tonics. He's getting mysterious lambs being deposited into his, uh, into his fridge freezer. Um, but something that was riling him up, it was really riling him up in the week, was, uh, <laughs> was the pronunciation of croissant in America. I think I'd mentioned to him that, you know, what are the croissants like? And I must have pronounced it in the American way, which is croissant, I believe, croissant. And, I mean, he went absolutely nuts. He says, boy, it's croissant. It's croissant. And, yeah, these are the things that rile him up now that he's living in the uh, in the French countryside. And uh, he's become somewhat French. He's probably got a striped T-shirt on, onions around his neck, and pronouncing croissant correctly. But I still think he's trying to teach um, the French cricket. I mean, how would you translate a sticky wicket into Le Francais? Or maybe a googly? I mean, how would you translate that into French? Anyway, more tales, more avuncular tales from the French countryside coming to a wireless near you soon. So I was thinking about um, over the course of the, uh, you know, over the course of the last week. Um, we were talking on the podcast yesterday. We did a dog special, uh, but we we're talking on the podcast yesterday about uh, dogs, and I was thinking, you know, a perfect uh, bird would be the macaw. Now the macaw is a wonderful uh, is a wonderful bird. And I was thinking, you know, in terms of, in terms of lockdown, you know, you, you really need to think about um, companions. The lockdown macaw could be an absolutely uh, perfect companion for you. So the macaw t- would talk to you all the time. You know, Give us a kiss, piece of the Give me another piece of mac and cheese. I mean... It would talk to you all the time. It could give you reminders. You've got a Zoom call coming up at 3.30. Absolutely fantastic. It always listens. It would repeat what you were saying every uh, every five minutes. I mean, it would be an absolutely perfect companion and also a uh, feathered secretary. I mean, I think this is something that we should think about. If we have a second wave of this awful pandemic, we should think about getting a macaw and using it as our personal assistant. We won't be lonely at all because it will repeat and it will repeat everything that we say. So, you know, it would be things that we like. I mean, I guess it's probably not good for a narcissist to hear things being repeated constantly uh, by a macaw. But, you know, we need to put something into place here. Uh, I think we need to 
um, get my calls ready for the second uh, uh, the second wave, the second lockdown. Everybody needs a pet macaw. So, ladies and mandelbeasters, we have a brand new feature this week. Watch Wankers of the Web. So, in terms of describing this, the best way to describe it is rich, slightly obnoxious men and women are taking pictures of their timepieces, their smooth Swiss timepieces, on the web and posting them on Twitter. So you have, you know, maybe a clean-shaven arm and a beautiful wrist with a Rolex on it. And then you've got something else in the background. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Watch Wankers of the Web. Watch Wankers of the Web. So this particular picture we've got is all very apt. We've got a picture of um, a gold Breitling watch, Breitling watch. And there's a six pack of Corona. And the caption is... What's spreading faster, corona or wankerism? Okay, so we've got a second one, my lovelies, my beauties. Um, so again, it's Watch Wankers of the Web. And this particular picture is, we've got a, uh, a gentleman, uh, again, uh, sitting in a classic car, you can see the gear stick. It looks like a classic car to me. And you've got a watch. Not as magnificent as Big Ben. But you've got a watch. Another Breitling. And it's resting on a pair of driving gloves. And ladies and gentlemen, the uh, little caption says, There is an ever-growing trend of driving gloves. Is this to prevent further calluses? Or are you going to be start wanking with the driving glove on? There'll be more watch wankers of the web coming very soon. There'll be more Florets of uh, Fantastica coming up uh, next week. We're nearing the end of the uh, the show today. Uh, the sixth edition of uh, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Um, but are we going to end um, firstly with a poem and then a little bit of uh, insight into um, spring and summer life in, in the UK and Britain. But the poems, actually, I imagine a lot of people are getting out uh, and about practicing social distancing this week. But a lot of people are going to the beach here in the U.S., in the U.K. But it made me think about how I long to uh, dip my feet in wet sand, be buried in wet sand, uh, do a little bit of paddling, maybe some fish and chips. And it made me think of the uh, poem Cornish Clefts by John Betjeman. Those moments lasted and tasted once, never done of long surf breaking in the midday sun, a far-off blowhole booming like a gun. The seagulls plain and circle out of sight, below the thirsty, thrift-encrusted height, the vain sea-champion buds burst into white, and gorse turns tawny orange, seen beside pale drifts of primroses, cascading wide to where the slate falls sheer into the tide. More than in the garnered Surrey, Nature spills a wealth of healthier kidney vetch and squills along long-defended Cornish hills. 
The gun emplacement of the latest war looks older than the hill fort built before, Saxon or Norman headed for the shore. And in the shadowless unclouded glare, deep blue above us fades to whiteness where a misty sea line meets the wash of air. Nut smell of gorse and honey smell of ling waft out to the sea freshness of the spring on sunny shallows green and whispering the wilderness which the lark song gives the sky shrinks at the clang of seabirds sailing whose notes are turned to days when seas are high from today's calm the lanes enclosing green leads inland to a usual cornish scene slate cottages with sycamore between small fields and telemas and wires and poles with the everlasting ocean rolls two chapels built for a hundred souls so that's a beautiful poem so i know our american friends and our british friends and a lot of people around the world are taking uh, monday off uh, whitson holiday in the uk uh, memorial day here in the u.s so have a lovely time anybody's taking a few days off uh, have a lovely relaxing time but one of the biggest uh, pieces of news in the week was dorset which is a county in the uk crowns its winner of the 2020 knob eating contest online kate scott ate eight and a half of the traditional biscuits in one minute kate scott was crowned champion of dorset's annual knob eating contest in which contestants vie to eat as many of the country's traditional biscuits as they can in one minute sounds like a soggy biscuit competition the contest was held on zoom this year because the lockdown with eight and a half knobs gobbled by the scot enough to sweep her to victory so the history of the knobs is a dry savory biscuit uh which is more like a cookie than an actual american biscuit uh, has been created by moors of morecambe lake for more than 150 years their name comes from the hand-sewn dorset knob buttons that were made locally the knobs are baked three times and due to their hardness eaten after being soaked in sweet tea. They are traditionally accompanied by Dorset's Vinnie cheese and said to have been a favourite food of local author Thomas Hardy. The annual competition was held online for the first time ever and helped raise money for a local hospital. Festival chairman Ian Gregory said the knob-eating wet record stood at 13 or 14 due to a momentous knob-eating effort in 2015. It was a terrific display of knob-eating by Miss Scott, who was the first to manage more than seven in recent years. The local champion was able to keep the title in Dorset after the victory. And those knobs are going down. No one else is going to beat me. Some fantastic swallowing effort there, I would say. So there we go, ladies and mantelpieces. Cyber knob eating. Who would have, who would have funked it on Zoom? Anyway, uh, toodaloo for now. Cheerio. Have a lovely time. And we'll all get together again in this little virtual portal of whimsy very, very soon.